Bible. I'd like to turn there. started last week to um, bring to you a series of uh, messages or that come from uh, kind of an assessment that the elders of the church have done. And as the elders have, have met and discussed some things and begun to kind of narrow down a little bit of um, where we think God wants us to go. And uh, we did an analysis. It's kind of an assessment tool that maybe you heard of or maybe you've done. It's called a SWOT analysis, S-W-O-T. And it stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And um, the strengths and the weaknesses are are, are really things that, that... that you see um, actually going on in the here and now. Um, opportunities and threats are things that that maybe from time to time kind of rear their head um, as far as the threats go, or maybe some, uh, some as far as the opportunities go, some things that maybe have some potential on the horizon. They're not necessarily things that are, are present and active right now, but um, the opportunities are things that, that we feel like we need to cultivate the threats are things that we feel like we need to um, address, and um, tonight I want to talk about uh, one of those threats, and um, don't worry, it's not going to be a negative time, and hopefully you won't feel like you're beaten up or anything. Um, when it comes to a threat, like I said, it's not necessarily something that is going on, but just by the nature of, of how we approach stuff around here, um, this is a threat that is just, it kind of comes with the territory. And I think you'll understand um, what I'm talking about in a second. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The um, the issue that that concerns to a degree the elders and your staff and uh, your pastor um, is is the issue of freedom in Christ. And um, maybe you're thinking, why would freedom in Christ be a threat? Um, the freedom in Christ is not a threat. Our um, interpretation and application of what that means and, and how that fits into life. Um, is is one of those things where it's extremely powerful and can also be very dangerous. And so if we if we don't have a, a Christ-centered biblical understanding of what freedom in Christ is about, um, it can lead to a lot of problems. If we have an an immature understanding, um, we'll be having a very different conversation in a couple of months. Um, if it is if it is a, Understanding the concept of freedom in Christ that is incomplete as far as Scripture teaches, if it is missing some very important elements, um, there's going to be some pain down the road for us individually and as a church. 
And so um, when it comes to the things in the threat column, um, all we know to do as, as elders is address them, um, turn to Scripture for truth, and pray that God just takes that threat and um, moves it somewhere else. Um, really, the, the, the threat is not freedom in Christ. The threat is a misunderstanding of that. And so my prayer is that God will take um, whatever understanding we have now and uh, that we'll thoroughly look at Scripture and what it teaches and he will begin to make those changes in us so that that is not a threat, but that is completely a strength. Is that when people uh, look at our church or when what it's like to be a part of our church, one of our strengths is that group is free in Christ, and they know what that means. And they're not caught up in what it doesn't mean and, and all that kind of stuff. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to just kind of lay a biblical foundation uh, for that, and then we're going to look at, at why, why that is a threat. And we're going to look at Paul's uh, solution to that. So Galatians 5.1 really is, is kind of like a thesis statement. Everything else kind of, kind of goes back to that. Um, look at verse 2. It says, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. For you who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Okay? Here's, here's the thing. He starts off saying it's, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Don't be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And here's what was going on. You had this group called the Judaizers who were, were trying to tell the Galatians that Christ's death on the cross um, alone was not enough. And their big issue that they, that they wanted to tack on to that had to do with circumcision. That was their, their, their big thing. Um, and what Paul is, is writing about, it really, circumcision is not the issue. The issue is anything that is added on, um, added on to what Jesus did on the cross is, is something that um, is to be greatly avoided and something that is considered to be putting yourself back into bondage. So here's this church, and they're trying to, and, and they're they're struggling because because at that time, I mean, everything it was all about keeping the law and 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 all these rules and all this kind of stuff. So Jesus comes along, and uh, to all these people who've been been just just so weary from trying to keep all these rules and trying to live the, the right way, and they had all these sacrifices, and there's all this stuff, and no matter what they did, they always came up short, always came up short every single time. It's to this, this weary like, group of, of people that Jesus' words were, Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. It says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That was, that was the, the point of, of all that was uh, you are, are burdened by this law and you are completely in bondage. Come to me because what I have is true freedom. So here they were, and, and Jesus had spoken those words, and now Paul had come through, and he has established this church or whatever, and they were, were really trying to get used to this idea of not having to obey all those laws, but just to trust Christ in all things. And there's this group who was telling them, yeah, yeah, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, Christ and circumcision. I mean, you know, like that's what, that's what good Christians do. And they're adding all this stuff on there. Now, I know a couple weeks ago I did, like, the two sides thing, and that kind of worked for me, so I'm going to do it again. Um, 
if I can get untangled. Here's the thing. When um, when this shows up in this church and today, it takes on this form of uh, what what we'll call legalism. It's nice, huh? Yes. Okay. Um, legalism is one of those things where it's all these extra things that we add. Anything that is is added onto the cross is considered something that we would we would term legalism. It is law. Okay. It is the cross plus. It is the cross 2.0. I mean, whatever you want to, however you want to look at it. Um, and so how it shows up, how it showed up then was here these Judaizers and their issue was circumcision. Okay. Um, today how it shows up is, is all these, these things that are on this list that no one really like knows where it is, but it's just kind of the way that it is for Christians. This list of things that Christians do and, and Christians don't do. And it's not in scripture and maybe it's tucked away in a vault somewhere and, you know, somewhere, I don't know. And, or whatever, but, but it's just this, this cultural understanding that there are all these things. In addition to the cross, you have to, you know, uh, avoid alcohol at all costs. Or, um, in addition to the cross, like, you can't ever smoke. In addition to the cross, uh, you can't, you, you know, you can't gamble. Cross plus gamble, okay? That's the, that's the cross 2.0 is, is whatever Jesus and all this other stuff. And we create this whole list of, of things that Christians do and things that Christians avoid. And so in a life of legalism, there's just all this effort and energy put into trying to keep up all these laws that we have added on, all these things that men have just come up with. And um, whether that's the, the fault of preachers or, or what, I don't, I don't really know. Um, a lot of, of people, when they look at it, they see it as a tool of control that um, the church tries to control people morally. And so it's like, let's just make them really moral and make sure that they make all these right decisions, they keep all these rules. And it's a control of this lifestyle that ends up where you have these, these churches full of Christians that are extremely moral, whatever that means. But there's just no joy there. There's, no, there's just not, there's not love. You know, it's those churches that when they sing victory in Jesus, it's like, am I at a funeral? You know? What's going on? And so in legalism, you hold so tightly to all these, ex, these extra things that have been added on, but a lot of times by clinging so tightly to them, you, you lose what Jesus came for, which was to give us life and to give it more abundantly, give it to the full. But unfortunately, that, like, this is where a lot of, of people grow up. This is where I, I grew up. This is where, um, this is where like, my entire approach to God and to church and to the outside world came from, as I grew up in this thing. That's nothing against my parents. It's nothing against my church. That was just the, the culture of our, of our church growing up. That's how it was. Remember as a kid, we had, like, there was this deacon who would, uh, he would stand on the front steps and he would smoke. And just because of how everything was, I was appalled, you know. I kept worried that he was going to get caught, you know, and get in trouble. Like the, the pastor was going to, like, yell at him or something. And so when I, when I got to, be, to where I was in college, man, I, I had just this totally warped sense of what was going on. 
And immediately, I, you know, I, could, I could tell you who was a Christian and who wasn't because it was all about what they did or what they didn't do. And that's what legalism does. And that's what Paul is, is, is telling this group. He's like, look, they're telling you, talking about circumcision. If, if, if that's the way that, that you go, look at his wording. Look in verse 4. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. What happens is all these things that we tack on, they become the way that we try to get approval as far as our standing before God. So they're trying to be justified by that. And that's where legalism, when you, when you hang out over here, that's what it is. It's, God, look, aren't you, aren't you proud of me because I've never, I've never had a sip of alcohol, I've never said a curse word, and I've never killed anybody, and I've never, you know, I've never done all these things. I've never stepped a foot on a boat one time. Not, I mean, a gambling boat. Not even, not even to eat. Not even to eat at the restaurant part, God. Look at me. And that's what happens is, is in legalism, the shift goes from Christ, it goes to these things. As long as we're doing these things, we're not doing these things, we think that that's all great. And what Paul's saying is, like, look, if you're going to keep the law, just go, go the whole way, all right? Because what you're doing has nothing to do with Christ. See, we just sang a song, and this song talks about Jesus' death on the cross for us and how that just kind of blows our mind and out of his love, and he was our substitute, and he paid our ransom, and he did all this stuff. And, I mean, you don't have to look there now, but uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to become sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. At his death on the cross, he was our substitute. And so of all these rewards and all these great things that we have that being justified now before God in his name, our sins are forgiven. We are made righteous and holy and, and all this kind of stuff. And every sin that you've ever committed and every sin that you ever will commit in the future, every single one of those things was nailed to the cross and died with him. And we talk about that so much here. It's, it's, it's something that, that we just try desperately to keep at the center of, of everything that we do about Jesus' complete work on the cross. There's nothing left to be done, and there's nothing that we add to it, that it is just it is a Christ-centered life. That's what it's all about. And so a lot of times we, we teach against legalism because the Bible does. Um, and, and we talk about it so much, and it becomes such such a big focus that this is sometimes what happens. Is that in response to um, preaching against this, there's something that happens where we swing so far in this direction. All right? And we hear that message of forgiveness, and we talk about the cross, and we talk about all this stuff. What happens is we interpret that as a license to go and to do whatever the heck we want. And so while this is an extreme, this is also an extreme. And so on this side, um, you know, we, we start talking about this and all this kind of stuff, and the risk is that we, will, we won't be free from that. We'll just switch the things that we're in bondage to, all right? So we're freed from all this stuff, and we come over here, and over here, when you know, when you live here, couple of things happen. One, 
Sometimes you get an attitude about being free. This is where this attitude develops. In my examples, don't, don't, hear the, don't hear the action, hear the attitude, okay? Don't hear the action, hear the attitude. Over here, it's like, I, so I'm free in Christ, right? So I, I can drink because I'm free. I'm free to drink. Yay. Let me show you how free I am. <laughs> oh, so I'm free from, like, all the, the do's and the don'ts. So let's. So I can gamble. Awesome. I'm gonna gamble. If I'm free to do it, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna gonna prove how free I am. Uh, so my language is okay. So I can cuss all I want. Awesome. See, very easily there becomes this attitude, and and you become very, very rebellious. And maybe it's because your whole life you grew up over there. You know, and it kind of makes you mad because you're like, nobody ever told me about free. Nobody ever like explained this to me. So you're like, I got like lost time to make up for. I'm going to show them old Sunday school teachers and old church, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to show them what freedom is. Or license sometimes in addition to kind of a bad attitude, um, sometimes it shows up in the way that we just kind of justify stuff. You know, this is where grace gets abused. We're like, oh, so I'm free, so every sin's been forgiven. So no matter what I'm what I'm about to do, like it's covered, it's done. It becomes that that way to kind of justify getting by with some things that we just want to do. Or we just interpret it for what it is. As being a license to do anything, it doesn't really matter. We don't even evaluate it. It's just like, oh, I'm just going to do whatever. And see, life over here, this is where that narcissistic side of all of us is, is just turned loose. What's going to make me happy right now? Whatever I want to do, I, I'm going to do it because I'm free in Christ. The thing is, I've heard those words spoken to me as people are doing something that's not really them and i've said those words prior to doing something that i should not do i'm free in christ let's just this sin a lot so there's just lots of grace and see over here is where um you end up settling and everything is about happiness if that's about being moral, this is about being happy. And see, Jesus didn't come for morality necessarily, and he definitely didn't come for happiness. 5.1 says he came for freedom. And so we have these two extremes, and there are a lot of churches that are on one side or, or on the other, or maybe are just kind of bound between the two. Let me tell you why why they're a threat. Over here, this is a threat to reaching the world for Christ because it, it sends the wrong message. It sends that, that, that being a disciple of Christ is all about works and laws and rules, and it's about doing. Well, the truth is it's not about doing. It's about what he has done and 
us being. So that sends the wrong message to the world. This one sends the wrong message to the world too because this this is where you say God loves you. But um, Dwight Edwards puts it like this. It's when um, God's holiness is drained out of his love. It's love without holiness. And so over here we send the message to the world like God loves you. It does not matter what. You can do whatever and it's done. It's on the cross. It's forgiven. Just go do whatever. And there's no regard for the holiness of God or that he has called us to be holy as he is holy. Or the fact that our the righteousness of Christ that is applied to us is supposed to show up in our lives. And so both extremes send the wrong message. Um, how does it affect our community? Um, as far as like within the church, this is how people who are over here do nothing but judge people over there, right? Right? You're out. You're on campus. It's uh, LSU. You know, is playing. Everybody's tailgating, whatever. And you bump into somebody from church who has a beer in their hand. What happens, judge? Backslider. Not saved. Doesn't love Jesus. There's all this judgment that hangs out over here because it becomes all about those those lists and keeping those lists. And they're so busy trying to keep them, and they look at other people not keeping them, and you judge them. But what happens over here? Same exact thing. Is there judgment? Because you judge that person, you bump into them, you got a beer in your hand, and you're like, you're so not free. Bondage. Because people over here get all arrogant about being thinking that they're free. People over here get all arrogant about thinking that they're like also free, but in a different kind of way. Um, there's no grace over here. There's no grace. There's not even grace for yourself. You know, when you're the one, you mess up, and you like fail to keep one of those laws, and you're like, ah, oh, whatever, and you just beat yourself up. There's no grace for yourself. There's no grace for other people, and it just there's it's it's horrible. Over here, there's the wrong kind of grace. Over here, it's again, it's that grace with no holiness in it. It was like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. You're free. We're all free. That's terrible for, like, it just, it'll tear a church apart. And in our, your personal relationship with God, over here, this is, this is religion and not relationship. This is missing out on, on that abundant life. And this is when you live that that cross 2.0 idea of trying to add all this kind of stuff, you miss out on everything. And it is completely dead, and it's all about religion. There's no relationship with God. On this side, there's religion. It's all about yourself. And they're focusing on rules, and you're focusing on what's going to make you happy, what's going to feel good. And what you're free to do. And all the things that you can do because Jesus died for you on the cross. Here's the thing. I was was thinking and praying through all these ideas. And, you know, well, hang on, I missed a verse. Sorry. Look at verse 13 in chapter 5. Says you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. That's what that. That's what happens there. It's like I'm free; I can do whatever I want. So Paul addresses both of those things. He addresses the people keeping the rules and the people abusing their freedom. 
And as I was praying through it, I was thinking, and I was like, when it comes to our church, like, where where are we? And God never really gave me an answer because he's like, you know, that's not what this is about. And so I started thinking, I was like, okay, so maybe, maybe, because this, this is how you think when you end up having to teach something. It's like, all right, so maybe like I'll have the two extremes, and I'll kind of figure out like kind of where we are. And I was kind of standing out. The elders think we're here, you know. And I was like, no, that's not the image. And the image that came to mind was this, was of a, a prisoner who's chained to a wall. And he's got one arm chained this way, and he's got one arm chained this way. And the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, you know what? He said, when you teach against legalism, you're talking about being free from those laws and all that kind of stuff. He's like, but this side, that's bondage just as much as the other side. And there are a lot of churches who are, who are, look just like that, and, and they're stuck. You got a group in bondage to legalism. You got a group in bondage to themselves and to that narcissistic side of us that just wants to be rebellious and do whatever we want. And the thing is, Jesus didn't die for that, and Jesus didn't die for that. Look what Paul says to the to the legalists. Look back. Look at verse uh, five. It says, "But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circum- circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love." He looks at this group and says, "All those things you've added on, they don't mean anything." Christ has set you free so that you can love. He's freed us from all that garbage so that we can love. We can love the world. We can love our coworkers. We can love one another. We can love Jesus so that we can love. There's no love in bondage. Look down the second half of verse 13. It says, you, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. He says the same thing to them as he says to them as it comes down to love. Don't indulge the sinful nature and take advantage of your freedom. Instead, serve one another. Love one another. Quit tearing each other apart. And that's the, that's the core of what freedom in Christ is about. We talk a lot about what he's freed us from. Sin and the law and all that. Uh, we talk about it and it is oh, great and it is amazing. But we have to complete the idea and realize what he's freed us for. Why are we free in the first place? Are we free just to go and put back on the yoke of bondage, of legalism, and all these kind of rules we have to keep? No. Are we free to go and put back on the yoke of just that self-centered, whatever makes me feel good, and I have this license uh, that has a, a picture of Jesus and the cross on it that I can just hand it? No. He didn't die for that. He didn't die for that. 
This is what he died for. Look at verse 16. This is what freedom in Christ is about. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. See, we're freed from all those things. Everything on the list is what we're freed from so that we can love God with all that we have and we can love each other with all that we have. That's the point. We're in bondage to sin and now we're in bondage to righteousness. So true freedom in Christ It's not rebellious and self-seeking and making decisions that are just going to cause you pain down the road but justifying it. And it's not this list of do's and don'ts. God has broken chains from that, and he's broken chains from that so that we can walk in step with his spirit. So that as we walk with him and as we love him, he's the one, he's he's guiding our thoughts. He's, He's guiding our speech. He's guiding the decisions that we make. So we don't have to have this, these debates about, oh, man, like how much, you know, like should you drink or should you not drink? What, what about moderation? What about if there are younger people around? This and this and this and this. We don't have to have that debate. It's about being in step with his spirit and being controlled by his spirit. And if that is, the, is what we build our lives around and we are centered on Christ, then those issues really are not that important. Our minds and our hearts are, are in his control. And so he, like... Literally, like he takes over our lives. You don't have to have this debate with with dating couples about how far is too far and what can you do and this and this and this. this. That's not it. It's about in your individual relationship with God being in step with the Spirit. It plays into every area of life. That's what we are free for. So that you can go to work, you can go to class, you can go see your family, you can go mow the yard, you can do whatever you want, and you are completely being controlled by him. We like to make big issues out of that stuff and this stuff. I think the whole time God's like, come on, commandment one, love me. I freed you so that you can love me. Before you had no choice but to sin. Now you can love me. Choose me. 
every single time. And I think that's one of the big issues is I think we secretly, we like like being like held captive to something. I don't know why that is, but we do. Romans 6.18 says that we're free from sin and now we are slaves to righteousness. So guess what? We are in bondage to something. It is the best thing that we could ever ask for. So I think the issue is really not what's on the you know these extremes. The, the issue for you and for me is how free do you want to live? Not how free are you because the cross is complete. How free do you want to live? Are you going to continue to settle? Am I going to continue to settle? I can tell you the truth, God kicked me all over the place with this all week long in pretty much every area of my life. I want to read you something that I heard in a sermon. Um, if you go to our homepage right now, I have a link to this sermon uh, from John Piper that he preached at the Passion Conference. And the sermon is called um, Dealing with the Guilt, wait, it's long, Dealing with the Guilt of Sexual Failure for the Glory of Christ and His Global Cause. <laughs> If you ever know Piper, he likes those kind of titles. But he's talking to all these college students, thousands and thousands of college students. And he's talking about how sexual failure keeps people from following the dreams that Christ has put in their heart because of the guilt that they carry around. And the things that he has to say can be applied to guilt in, in any area of life. And so I put that on our homepage. I put a link to it. I encourage you to go listen to it. Read the transcript, something. Let me read this. This is what he says. And I'm going to pray and we're going to sing a little bit and go. In the midst of this sermon, after he had talked about some of these things, even that we talked about tonight, he says this. The mark of faith is that I fight. I fight anything that dims my sight of Jesus as my glorious Savior. I fight anything that diminishes the fullness of the lordship of Jesus in my life. I fight anything that threatens to replace Jesus as the supreme treasure of my life. Anything that stands between me and receiving Jesus, my faith fights. Not with fists or knives or guns or bombs, but with the truth of Christ. And I rewound that like 50 times and listened to it. And it was awesome. Because every time I listened to it, it's like one more chain came undone about stupid stuff. Just the stupidest things ever that I didn't even realize were like, were just hindering me. And, and I, I, it was incredible to, to think about the fact that faith fights anything that threatens our relationship with God. And, and here's the thing. This idea about freedom and having a, an immature view of it or an incomplete view of it or whatever as a threat to our church, I think that we have got to fight it. It doesn't mean we have these big prayer meetings. It doesn't have, it means individually you fight that fight in your life. And as every single one of us fight, whatever threatens our relationship with God, whatever diminishes the, the lordship of Christ, like he said, anything keeps Jesus from being the treasure of our lives. If we're all fighting that individually, that's going to show up in, in the life of our church.
It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. True freedom. Not that, not that. Walking in step with him. That's what God has called us to. Let's pray.